Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets we probably want to take to our grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Shang. Now, Shang, I have a question for you. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What is your secret? My secret? Oh, boy. You just start right in, right? (laughs) Right to the point. No flirtation, no nothing. Just No foreplay. Just the rest of business. (laughs) Well, it's like, wow, okay. My secret is that I was molested when I was eight by a family member. Yeah. Okay, let's go back. I mean... I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been molested too, so I totally get it. And it's mm-hmm. really difficult to talk about, but did it go on for a long time? Was it a one time Yeah, thing? no, I- it went on for a long time. Like, you know, it, 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 um, I told myself I was sexualized because I didn't, you know, I didn't get the ages together, you know, like when it started, like mm-hmm. it was just a lot of different variables that went into it. So I, I didn't. I honestly didn't understand it. It was only a friend of mine who asked me, uh, what age were you? And I was like, oh, I, you know, and uh, and I have a nephew. And so uh, I know that age because he's about that age that I was. And I was like, oh my God, it put a lot of stuff in perspective for me wow. about that. Can yeah. you say who it was or you said- I won't family. say the name, but it's a family member. Okay. And, um, and we- are uh god if people see this i don't care we are uh we were we were close uh i don't want to say that we're we were close as far as we could be let me put it like that okay it was difficult you know i I come from a i come from a family that has a lot of secrets i believe you know Mm -hmm. we don't always talk about it um i uh i lost a cousin to drug and alcohol use uh after a period of time so it wasn't how she died, but she did struggle with the addiction. And that just kind of made me look at my own life and go, you know, um, if you want some kind of recovery for yourself, if you want some kind of freedom, then you got to be willing to look at stuff and call it what it is. Right. That's just how that kind of occurred. So So when did that process start for you? Well, um, I'm a sex and love addict. I don't mind telling people that. I mean, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Just another one of my brothers in the program like, marching like I, away. <laughs> I tell the truth about it. I'm just like, listen, man, you know, that, you know, I, I couldn't understand. That was so bad with my cousin because, you know, when she was struggling, I, w- I would judge. I really would because I wasn't, I, my, you know, my drug of choice was sex and, al- and love. So I didn't. Yeah. So you were like, not about like the drugs and alcohol. Either was no. I. Like and I, I was like, just. Put the drugs down. Stop yeah. drinking. That's what I would think, you know? Oh, me too. Because I, I wasn't like, looking at my stuff. 
Yeah. I was like, I don't want anything to control me. I don't understand why you want to do drugs because you're so out of control. Right. But as soon as something good looking comes along and it didn't matter, male or female, let me be very clear. It was like a hole is a hole is a hole. So you went, you went both sides. Like you. I didn't know, but apparently (laughs) I say I'm 90, 10, I'm 90% here, but 10% there. Like that's really how it went. So what's the 90 and what's the 10? Well, the 90 is obviously like, listen, I, I, I love men. That's just, that's just what it is. That's, that's part of the problem with the secret is that you get conflicted because you get told that if something like that happened to you, that made you that way. Oh, so it was a male that molested you. It was you. a male, yeah. So then you yeah. connected, I. that's why I'm gay. He would tell me that. He would <gasps> say, like, like he would go, like, I, I brought you into the life, and, you know, you never know. And, and he would be so guilty, and I would feel so bad because I never blamed him for me being how I was. And so it was hard to celebrate that because it was like, that was all connected. And my family is from the South. Our family's from the South. So they, they think that way. You know? Where are they, you from the South? My family's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana in a town Ooh, called Ooh, that's mm. the deep South. Deep South. I, I didn't know if you knew I'm from Atlanta. So I'm from the oh, South. Oh, hey. But, but, but not like the deep South. You were mm-hmm. like the deep South. Mm-hmm. Now I grew up here, but that's where they're from. So all of that culture is here. Yeah. So, you know, all the you know, you can pray it away. And the, you know, the, um, I, I hate to say this, God, forgive me, because I'm not trying to judge my family, but the, the slavery mentality of God is there. You know, like the, the idea distinct from religion and spirituality, and they don't all have that distinction. So a lot of their belief is straight from the Bible, uh, straight from what the preacher tells you, uh, uh, sorry, black folks, if you're listening, that did come from slavery. Slaves did, slave owners did pass down the Bible and religion and allowed us to pray so that they could subdue us. That is an actual historical fact. I'm not making that up. No, give it, give it to us. (laughs) I didn't know that. I Mm -hmm. actually didn't know that. And I always feel like people can take the Bible and decide what it it says like one line seems to contradict another line to me when I read it. And so I feel when people quote the Bible, I'm like, you're quoting what you want to quote. Absolutely. Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, man, when people quote Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm so thankful for Carl Bean, I'm I'm mentioning Bishop Carl Bean, wonderful guy. He went through Sodom and Gomorrah with us uh, at a service. And I mean, like no one ever reads the whole thing. They only quote it to justify their own fear about gay folks. And in the whole thing, at the end of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot has sex with his daughters. I don't know if you know that or not. I did not. His daughters get them get him drunk. But who, like, let's be real, drunk enough to where he can still be hard. Now, we've all known <laughs> somebody who's drunk and they don't get hard. Like, let's be real. So drunk enough. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> this is true. This is in the Bible. I know. Oh, they keep going. They want to continue the race. So they go, we need to have sex with our dad because everything's destroyed so we can continue the race and preserve the seed. It's in the Bible. I'm not bullcrapping. So they get him drunk one night. And then the other daughter says, oh, me too. And gets him drunk the other night. So that's a happens. different kind of me too movement. <laughs> me so, and, and, and Lot also offers his daughters up. 
he tells the people, please don't rape the travelers that come in. Because remember, this is what Sodom and Gomorrah is about. They want to have sex with these guys. Everybody in the town wants to have sex with two men. Now, you know darn well at, at a club, there's always somebody in the back going, I don't think they're that cute. But yeah. everybody wants to have sex with the two men. <laughs> and, Lot says, and, and Lot says, don't have sex with these two strange men that I've never met before. Take my daughters instead. This is in the Bible. Now, people tell me, you know, oh, you're going to hell and all this other stuff, but I don't see them offering me their daughters in order to cure me. I mean, I could possibly take you up on that. Oh my God, this right. is, you're, you're killing me. Okay, I have to get back to the subject. You did say your family doesn't have the spiritual aspect, but the Bible religious aspect. I won't say everybody because they're huge. It's huge. How, so, how big's your family? Everybody from the South pretty much had like kids, like seven kids and up in that range. So every family reunion, I meet somebody I never met before. That's wow. real. And, um, and I don't want to say that everybody doesn't have spirituality because that's not true. And, and they, they are loving. I want to be very clear. They're very loving. I think that the things that traumatically happened for us during slavery during segregation, because they were alive during the whole uh, boycott with the buses and the whole civil rights movement, they were alive for that. Right. I think that with no kind of uh, ability to to talk about that or to have freedom from that, that you know, or to express we, their feelings and yeah, vocalize, nothing. yeah, right, wow, yeah, and so you just cling to well, God, God's got this, God will take this, but not really the God inside of you, the God that's out there somewhere that will somehow propel you or save you, or at least at the end of this life, you know, things will be better. So not really doing too much to try to advance yourself spiritually. Um, I just don't think that they had the tool set for it. not all of them. And so, um, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to bad mind my cousin. I really don't. No, 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 no. But, but I will say that watching her struggle and then seeing that I, cause I had already started dealing with me being a sex and love addict and seeing her struggle that she had dealt with for a long period of time. I was like, you know, you, we, all my family, just in my opinion, have some kind of struggle, mm -hmm. but we don't all deal with it. Like we have some kind of struggle. And when I saw my cousin start to spiral down, I, I kept putting any one of my first cousins in her place. And I said, that could be any one of us. She just is the one that's taken the fall, but for all of us. So if you want to make a difference, then you've got to change your life. And that's when I started to get honest about what was happening for me. So this trauma, this molestation, mm -hmm. I have two questions. Mm -hmm. Did your family know about it? Is it still a secret? It's actually not, but I, I, it's an interesting story to be quite yes. honest. Uh, I, I had known as an artist that if I kept this quiet, that I could not really step into my own power. And I had known as an artist that I was still protecting my cousin. You know, this had been, we weren't, we weren't doing anything, but I was still protecting him. And I just thought like, you know, I have to be free to express this. I do stand up. I don't know if I'll do a stand up on molestation. I don't think people would be like, ha ha, yuck, yuck, yuck. But, <laughs> but I wanted the freedom to express it. You know, even in doing this, I would have probably came up with something different to tell you about. But I think like I'm I'm willing to talk about it because I think that um I think someone out there needs to hear that for themselves. Also, it's free and healing for me. Uh my mother asked me a few 
maybe a year or two back, if anything had ever happened to me, just out of the blue. She's like, you never told me if anything like that happened to you, if anybody ever did anything to you. And she was like, did there? And I remember lying to her. And I was bothered that I was lying to her. I mean, I'm a grown man, but I'm lying to her. You know, like, no, no, nothing like that happened. And then uh, there was another incident with my cousin calling me separately where his mother had, I guess, mentioned something about our involvement. Like, I think the family kind of knew that we were too close for something not to have occurred, but I don't think that they thought about molestation or anything. They just thought we were close. We're both, they both know we're, we're into men. So, right. you know, and, and so I think that they assume we have They some just kind of, felt like maybe your energy or did anybody mm-hmm. ever say? Oh, they they're just- not, my family's not stupid. So I know they talk amongst each other and I think they felt our energy, but I don't think that they thought it was anything that huge. And he called me with his mom on the phone, kind of perpetuating the lie about it. Like, oh, remember when that's, that's, they, the family thought blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, it was actually true. So why are you calling me to say this? And it felt like to let me know that I need to continue with this lie. And so I wrote him a letter, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I love you. I don't, I'm not blaming you. I'm just not going to continue that lie. I, I, I can't for my own well-being, especially after our cousin passed, you know, she, um, oh, I wasn't tight, tight, tight with her, but you know, she, she touched me in a certain way. She may, I think that looking at her and what she dealt with, I was like, I don't, I don't want to go down like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just have a lot more compassion with her. And, and maybe if I had been honest, I don't know, you know, maybe, but maybe if I had been honest, maybe she would still be here. Maybe if we had talked, maybe if she knew I was in program too, right. dealing with stuff, you know, I just think, uh, I just think it was really hard for her. And she, you know, I just think it was really hard for her. So. You know what? That's so beautiful. I, I do want to say you cannot, save anybody of any of the isms or diseases. But I do have to say, I'm so glad that you stepped into the room because this disease, this sex, sex and love addiction has killed more people. More people are murdered. More people, you know, are in jail over this disease than any other disease. And I don't think people take it seriously enough. No, especially in the, as black men, we're taught that the conquest is how many women you can get. See, before this molestation started, and my cousins probably don't remember, there was this conversation that ensued between me and my like teenage cousins. And there was like four of them, three brothers and one just a first cousin, or not a first cousin, but one a cousin. And Mm -hmm. I was eight. And I'm telling them this story of this girl who tried to get me to do something in summer camp. I'm eight years old and I wasn't going to do it. And they proceed to tell me what it is to be a man. And what it is to be a man is to, at eight, is to have sex with women. And this at is eight? How, that was eight. the message that was, that was, that was delivered. And now you understand that these gentlemen didn't necessarily have a very strong father figure either. So they were trying to make up in their minds what it was to be a man. But I... I was putting the dots together because after that is when the molestation started out of the four gentlemen, two of those gentlemen were messing around with each other. And I found that out later. So, you know, they, they asked me if I like dudes and I mean, I'm a kid. I don't know, but I was like, yeah, the guys are cool. And and they all called me names and ran away from me. And, and shortly there afterwards is when it started. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything of what, what, what I was told was like, that uh, it was preparing me for me when I'm with a girl, you know, this is what men and women do. It was a total manipulation. Um, 
and I'll say this because since I'm on the on the on the topic, uh, part of what's been the the breaking point with me and my cousin, where I was hesitant about how close we were, is because I can still see that today. It's not about what happened. Um, when you know, I told myself that I liked it. I don't know if I did. I mean, I was a kid, but I grew to. I guess you know. Um, I did. I like guys. I think that that was always there. I don't think that that was like something. I have wasn't. to say, I think it was always there. I don't oh, yeah. think it's, I don't think I, it's situational. No, you know? I think it was, yeah. a, I was a prime suspect, you know, like, oh, and, and, and let me be very clear because I know that there are probably people out there that are thinking this. People say things like, if you're molested by a guy and you're a guy, that's what makes you gay. But then they also say, if a girl is molested by a guy and she's a lesbian, that's what made her lesbian. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. First of right. all, mol molestation does not dictate your sexuality. No. Molestation is sexualizing you at a young age when it is inappropriate and your brain is not prepared to deal Absolutely. with it. And if a child says they liked it, of course they liked it. Things are stimulated, of course, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. Not at all, not at all. And I, I didn't understand that because I thought because of who I was that I must've warranted that. And especially as I got older and, and you know, it was, um, it was difficult. And, and what I had to face was that there was still some attachment. I mean, that's my first relationship. That's my first love. I was eight, but that's what I, everything that I measured about love and sex was to that. Yeah. And I didn't know anything other than that. And that, that person hasn't quite understood that effect on me, you know, and, um, do you think he just can't wrap, he cannot go there or he would feel, I feel monstrous so bad to say I think he's a narcissist and I'm not mm. saying that to be judgmental I think that it would it would hurt a lot because there's a side that he is he caring and is he nice and does he love people absolutely I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not going to say that he's this demonized person but there's this whole other side and I got the opportunity a year ago to see it in action and it just it was because I was able to look at it from a different point of view I could see how he would manipulate guys, uh, kind of, you know, flirt with them, but more about control, shame them, you know, get mm. them to do all kinds of things and shame them. And, and part of it was like, oh my God, that was me. Like, that's what I used to tell him all the time when we go out like, yo man, like, don't do that. That's not right. You're not really interested in that guy or that's not really fair. But part of that was because I had experienced that, mm. that kind of like, I'm going to just dangle this carrot and keep you on the thread for as long as I possibly want. And how hurtful it is to anybody. It kind of like, to me, I, 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 this is so weird me saying this, you know, cause I would, you think sometimes that when somebody wants to have sex or whatever, there's this like, Oh, they're a slut or this. Listen, it's your body. You have a right to do whatever you want to do and you should do that. But when someone steps up to you and creates this false thing, like I'm interested in you, but they're not. So it stops you from actually going and getting what you want. I think that that sucks. Like let them go and really get laid if that's what they want to do. But my cousin, you know, his hit was all the attention that he can get. All the, I mean, I listened to your cousin, no judgment, because I was that same way. I <laughs> loved attention. Yeah. I loved dangling the carrot, getting mm -hmm. what I needed, and then pushing them aside until mm -hmm. I wanted it again. And it's mm -hmm. manipulative. It is hurtful. It is mm -hmm. playing mind games. So 
if you are doing that out there, just because it makes you feel good, it can actually really damage the other person. Absolutely. And, and it took me 10 years, 11 years in the program to understand that completely. Because the damage it's not, you, do. you can't see it with the naked eye. You mm -hmm. can't, it doesn't look like, he looks like this really great person. That's what kept messing with my mind. He's just, And he probably wants to be connected and committed, but mm -hmm. he just ha doesn't have the tools. Dude, you know, our family really got hit hard with, I think, a lot of different things and different variables. Again, I, it's not to judge them, but I can see the effects that it's had on all of us. You know, and some of us want to be honest about it, and some of us want to kind of just kind of pretend like, not that it didn't happen, but, you know, what happened with my cousin, the one that passed, it's easy to say, well, that was over there with her. She had a lot of trauma, a lot of problems. But she's representative of all of us. And we oh, all yeah. have stuff that we're not dealing with or that we don't want to deal with. And so that's one possible outcome. I just was like, I, I want to live my life and I want to be really free. And authentic. And, I, and just yeah. and not let the trauma. Because when I looked back and did, it's generational. And each mm -hmm. generation processes it in a different way. One generation drank a lot. One generation, you know, mm -hmm. like we each did that. And I do want to go back to, you know, this secret that you were living with. And finally, your mom asked you, but I always like to attach these things to the seven deadly sins. And I'll, I'm going to name them for you. So let yes. me know, holding this secret, which of these sins, which not in the religious sense, more in the spiritual sense, were, you know, did were they attached to, you know, so we got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Uh, I want the first thing that pops out is anger. Mm, why? We always say that part of you belonging to this family is that anger that we have. We call it something else, but I don't want to say anybody's name, but we, it's, it's, it's our family name. And we go, Oh, you have, Oh, you're one of us. Cause you have that switch that clicks on. Wow. So like your whole family has this same anger switch and you guys have a name uh, for it. When it happens, it's like no joke. And it's like, just like move out the way. Like hide under the table and like mm -hmm. duck and cover. Tornado is coming. Me and they've been shocked because they haven't, you know, sometimes people see me upset, but not angry to that degree. But, um, I think what I found out of dealing with my own addiction and dealing with my own trauma is that the anger was more about myself. You know, like I think that uh, somehow I had this false thing that I should have known better. I should have picked up on it. Uh, how much, you know, time I've wasted, you know, like dealing with it on my own at first, you know, which I, I don't, I don't, there are many things that you can do. I don't recommend people trying to deal with something like this on their own. I'm no. not telling people they should do therapy because that's not always for everybody, but there's so many different programs and things out there. But, you know, we get caught in this thing about if you just pray, God will handle it. Well, let me just tell you something about what God will do. God will give you the strength and the ability to handle the things that you need to handle, but God doesn't just do it for you. And if you don't think that's true, I dare you to go outside and pray for money and see if it falls from the sky so you can pay your rent. Now you may pray. That's the 
perfect you know I mean? analogy. I love that. Yeah, like you got to go get a job. You got to pray for like, hey, you got to work. Not, you got to work. You got to make some calls. You got to talk. You got to talk to people. You may have to pray with people to find a job. And somebody says, hey, I know somebody down the street. But you have to like speak that, and you've got to pray that and take some kind of action. You cannot sit in your house and say, I'm going to pray for my rent money and then just wait and then somehow. You know, and not, I'm not going to, let me be honest. There may be that 1% chance that somebody knocks on your door, some money comes in the mail. That's possible. I, I, anything's possible. Not every month. That ain't Not every month. <laughs> and it's not like, and it's not likely. Let's be real. So, and, and people get into that thing and it keeps the, listen, it is the slavery mentality because slave owners believe that religion kept us like docile and kept us very obedient. That's why they allowed us to do that on the plantations. I'm not saying to throw away your religion. What I'm saying is to be, have the ability to discern, discern right. like, hey, I, this works for me. This doesn't necessarily fit for me. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. I'm going to pray like this. What I'm going to pray for is this for strength, or I'm going to pray for this. And then you got to go out and like do the work. Do you know what this to- is reminding me of? And I just have to say this. I saw this meme or something where it said mm-hmm. this little girl is holding up a sign going, don't put on the mask. God's going to take care of you. And I just started cracking up. Right. Like, uh, God's telling you to put on the mask. Put he on the, the mask. mask. And everybody's saying put on the mask. So God is speaking through that person. Now put on the mask, you little girl, and don't listen to your cuckoo parents. Like Absolutely. that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> now I'm telling you when I say, if you really look as far as it coming from slavery, see, you would pray to God and everything's going to be okay when you die. So it kept you from looking outside. I'm glad of my sexuality because I knew this for my sexuality. There's two things I knew. One is that if I continued down this road of what everybody else told me, I was going to die. Yeah. I was either going to physically die, mentally die, spiritually die, emotionally die. And I knew that. Now, the other thing I knew was that I didn't believe what everybody was telling me, but I had to look. And I really had to look. I had to, there were, you know, at that time, I don't want to, I hate giving away my age, but whatever. There wasn't like the internet wasn't high and mighty. There was no, you know, there was a phone book <laughs> and there was nothing in the phone book about sexuality at that time. Maybe one or two things, but that's about it. So I really had to do some work and find some things that were going to affirm who I was and not believe everything that I was told. That meant going against my family. That meant going against the belief. But let me tell you something. My cousin didn't do that fully. You know, there were moments that I think she did when she got into program and she dealt with her herself, but she didn't do that fully and she's no longer here. So that was something that I was like, yeah, okay, y'all can do that. And I'm, I'm cool with that. And Make no mistake, I believe in God. I do pray, I do meditate, but I definitely have come up with what really works for me a loving God, uh, yeah. a, a not a con- God. like condoning God. But not I do a, have to no. say, I have a couple more questions, but I have to say something about your cousin. And it's so sad when someone passes, and I've had people, you know, pass from this disease mm-hmm. um, that we're discussing, but it's that moment that maybe your cousin was showing you the light, like, don't go down the path I did. Like, don't let this thing kill you. And it would, it freed you. Like she saved you. She did. You know, she spoke to me in a certain way. You know, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, uh, when, when she was passing and she, you know, she, she knew that she was sick and she wouldn't go to the hospital. So in some respect, 
and not to be mean, but I, I had said this and I want to be honest. I said that I felt like she had killed herself because she knew, you know, like she, there was time that she could have gotten help and she deliberately didn't. So I think yeah. she was just like done. Yeah. And in the hospital, uh, when she was in a coma, they were saying, oh, you know, my family wanted to believe what they wanted to believe. She's sleeping. She's this, she's that. And I had a feeling that she wasn't. And I went there, I took a prayer book. I read the prayer for the day. And I wanted her to know that if she wanted to let go, that she should let go. If, you know, if that was what it was, because this was about her and her relationship to God. But I didn't want her death to be in vain. So it was important for me to really take the lesson and to honor her spirit because she is a beautiful human being. Like her spirit and what she was about still lives inside me. She was ghetto. I love that she was ghetto. I told her that she was ghetto, but she was sweet at the same time. She had this mixture and I, she was crazy as hell. And we had some good like talks uh, by ourselves a couple of times that I can remember. And I cherish that. And I really do cherish her memory. So I, I want to make sure I say that because I don't want to leave this like, hey, telling her her business, but really like, how she affected me and, and the gift that she really gave me in my life. No, and it, and it sounds like she was in a lot of pain and we're mm -hmm. all human and we have flaws and sometimes we don't know how to get through the pain. And yeah. But I just thought that was so beautiful that you had that moment with her and you told her it was okay and to let go and to like go be with her God. I'll tell you about the power of spirit. When she passed, this is no bull crap. It was on a Sunday. All the people who were supposed to be there got the call and we all were there. We were all there in the room when it was time, uh, which was miraculous in itself. And by the <sighs> way, let me be clear about this. All the men, the straight men, not the sexually different men, all the straight men left the room when she started to pass. And the only person, people that stayed in the room as it started happening were all the women and the two dudes who like men. Those were the only ones that could be there for that particular pit. The straight dudes could not handle the emotional moment of her going through transition. Wow. Very interesting. Oh my God. This is the best, but I, I do have another question and it's really yeah. important with this secret that you had with your cousin and the family, and then it affected your other cousin that passed. Who do you think this whole family trauma? Cause that's what we're kind of talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who do you think, it is harmed and who do you think it's benefited? Like generational trauma, that seems yeah. to be. Well, I think that, um, I wanna say it like this, I think that it is in our community that it harms, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't speak about the pain, especially men. What I love about women is that, you know, you all talk about some real stuff. You know, if you go and you hang out at a beauty salon, if you have, a, I, I, I serve at a restaurant, if you have a fortunate enough to sit at a lady luncheon, <laughs> these women talk about some real stuff and they will get deep with you like in a quickness. Whereas guys, you know, we assume that as a weakness. Now I wonder why women live longer than men. I don't know if that's it, but I'm just saying like, probably because like they're not maybe. internalizing that. No. And we hold that in and we think that that's strength, but I think it's important that we tell the truth and that we talk about it. I told my mother the truth a year ago. I sat her down and told her what happened. And I told her that I lied and I told her in a, in a way that she could understand. Like, you know, there was a lot going on in my household too. Yeah. Uh, we look like the perfect family. So I, I knew that this was not 
this like this was inevitable and i also understood not to excuse it but that had he, had they found out i don't know if it would have helped or hindered me as a human being i don't know yeah. you know and um and and i do want to say that because i've been straightforward and honest that uh it is kind of putting a line of demarcation for this at least as far as for my family i want people to know that I'm willing to speak the truth and they can speak to me about anything if they so choose or not, but to hold it in, you know, that's tough. It will uh, also, kill you. It will kill yeah, you. Yeah. And then also to people to have compassion for those who can't do that, not to be so hard on them. So I also, also want to say, and I have one last question for you. I believe that the truth will set you free. And that's this what this show is about. But I, one thing I do, if somebody is listening, especially in your community and holding in these secrets and this trauma, what would be your advice to them? Well, I'd say two things. One, I would say to write it down and write, you don't have to give it to anybody. You don't have to show anybody, write everything that you want to say. And then find, depends on what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, but find some place, somewhere, something that you can go where you can trust, that you can put that in there and set it free. Now, I want to be very clear because some people say, oh, I do that through my church. And I don't mean like just being like, oh, hallelujah, and it's gone because it, it, it's a process. It doesn't it doesn't just vanish. You know, you yeah. you might have to do some work like this thing. I'm still working through and I'm not even mad about it. And I'm still working through it because I can see how it's affected me over time. So. Um, but I do talk about it so that I can be free. And it's important, whatever's happened for you, let me say it for myself. I had to learn that what I was carrying around was not mine, that those traumas, those things that happened, they weren't mine and I was acting like they were. God bless the people who carried them, but I don't think that's what they want for me and I don't have to carry that. I don't have to carry my cousin's secret. That's his thing to bear. I'm actually free of it because I'm okay with it. It happened, I got it. It's not a great thing, but I've certainly learned from it and I'm moving through it. And he's still suffering about that, you know, but I'm not. So it's important that you get that out there in a space where you can be nurtured, loved and cared for and free, free to be your authentic self. Mm. Ah, think of a butterfly in a cocoon. I love butterflies. Just think of what a, a, a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thank secret you. and your journey with us. It really means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time. Bye.